If you're breathing like that, you need to work on your breathing. It needs to be a little bit like Demon Slayer, like, you know, one of the beginning tasks of before you master slaying demons, you need to learn how to breathe. <laughs> so before you master slaying your demons, you need to learn how to breathe. I like to start all the things and my recordings and entries with breathing because I often don't realize how I'm holding my breath throughout different activities I'm doing during the day or I get so caught up in I get caught up in every activity and everything I need to get done I forget to actually not like actually take deep breaths <laughs> and so I wanted to begin with the breathing and a reflection in silence my story started in silence and that's because a lot of my health alarms and any alarm signs my body gave me I was unfamiliar to and the only reaction I was taught was to silence it do not disturb. You better be quiet. You're taking up too much space. You're too interruptive of my activities, of my days. And that is the longest relationship with my health was in that form of toxicity, of me pretending it doesn't exist, and my health and my body fighting to be acknowledged and I'm always reminded of the quote and I kind of tell people too is that you're either going to stop for your body or your body's going to stop you it symbolizes that really the way we have been taught in the world to take care of our bodies as women as women of color is to not take care of it it's to take care of everything else. People will tell you to get an education first. They'll tell you to do everything, develop everything about yourself except your health. And we often, the people I've spoken to and even myself, a lot of the knowledge I've learned about my health was through navigating it individually and experientially struggling with trying to find the solution. The world we live in, we know that health is not guaranteed and that a, any individual can get sick at any point in their life, from infancy to toddlers to, you know, we have the entire DSM that shows people getting sick at any age and any point in their life. Yet, somehow, I've been walking with this expectation of my body that it's supposed to function well and there shouldn't be problems with my health and if there is a problem with my health then it's of my own doing and having a sense of shame and questioning like how dare you <laughs> like 
as if it's a failure within myself rather than a predicament, an aspect of my life that I'm, I'm going to navigate just like any other challenges that I will experience in life. It is treated like an inconvenience and I want, I feel like I, I internalize the reaction that was had to my health and kind of like how he, hearing how other people talked about health or how in the initial response to me vocalizing my health, it became how I react to my own health. It's like if you're a kid and you're, you hurt yourself or you're experiencing something weird in your body and you're like, ah, like you scream out first. And instead of hearing why, what's going on and why are you screaming, you're told, be quiet. And that shifts, instead of investigating the, the, the alarm system, to silencing the alarm system, because you can. Because silencing is that first reaction that you've gotten. I feel like the way in which women have been I guess socialized in our different cross community different communities and cultures is to keep whatever they're experiencing in and it's not just selectively women but I feel like this is a poison that's killing us which is that silence and we've taken that silencing of us and we stepped into that role and became the ones who silence ourselves and made sure that nothing, no word of our alarm systems got out to even yourself. And in the earlier stages of my health journey, I recall being unfamiliar with, I was so against something going wrong with my body, and I was so, I should say, disassociated from my physical health symptoms that I would laugh it off and I'll come up with a reason to myself first. <laughs> oh, I'm just lazy or I'm I'm just like this. Aha, this is for attention. Or like find different like things to just dismiss anything that became observable. And this silence played into making sure it's not just undetected to me, but undetected to the people closest to me. My mom, my siblings, um, because I had a role to play as a sibling. And I knew that I could only play that role if I was perceived as invincible. And I would lose that role the moment they see my weakness or my health ailment. And it became something of, I also felt a sense of accomplishment in hiding. <laughs> it's like, whew, I don't want to worry my mother. She has enough to worry about. And it was the, I should say, glass ceiling of my health journey because once the breaking point came, and when I tell you, it's actually so funny that... <laughs> <laughs> it was like to everyone else there was no context but to me it was just like my body 
took over. And I was also like, why am I crying? What? And I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm like kind of shocked that my body's having this full-blown reaction. And the story of this moment for me was I it was just I was an orientation leader. I was working. But mind you, my health symptoms at that point have like increased. Like my migraines were kind of round the clock for three months now. Tiny like ibuprofen over the counter stuff is not working. My other physical symptoms are I couldn't eat food. Everything was contributing to like nausea. Um, I couldn't sleep because I was in pain. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. I couldn't study. I couldn't it became like a live action nightmare round the clock. But then I had a whole mask to put on while I was in school and while I was with my friends and while I was with family. And I'm still pretending that I'm fine in front of other people. And I remember that time we were writing cards to our orientees who are going to be in our cohort. And I remember I, <laughs> what's funny is that I'd have to be like, yeah, I, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm vomiting in the bathroom. <laughs> and then I'm like, I got to come back. And I'm like, <laughs> cheery writing stuff. And then this time it was like, I went to the bathroom three, four times and vomiting. And I'm like, I haven't been even able to have food to vomit. So at this point, it's just pure pain. <laughs> and so I'm coming back and the envi entire environment, like I became, I was, uh, I was laying down and I'm literally just crashed out, burnt out mentally, emotionally. I didn't have even energy to have a mask on. And I remember my sister, she was concerned. She started making jokes. And I'm like, I could tell she was trying to make jokes to see, to make me laugh or brighten, like, get my mood up. But she was also, in her own way, checking in on me. Oh, my God. Is that still alive? <laughs> okay, shake your, shake your booty if you're still alive. Shake it. I shake it. Shake it. If the twerk is dead, Mustaha is dead. Mustaha, <laughs> squeeze one butt cheek. <laughs> Just one of them. The right one, left one. One, two, one, two. This is my breathing. God damn, she's in a very. She's a lot of pain. She's nauseous. One day you're gonna look back at this moment like, in life. Yeah. And you're gonna be like, wow. I could have squeezed one butt cheek. Half a squeeze, Hata. After she cracked, <laughs> she cracked the second joke, and my reaction was full on <sighs> sobbing, and I couldn't. It was like, um, have y'all watched that Grey's Anatomy? Will someone please sedate me? That's what it was. It was like, I wanted to, I wanted to press the eject button out of my body because ain't no way. It was like, who allowed her to cry? Oh my God. And then it's like the attention it brings was like the, the villain in my head is like, ha, ah, you're doing this. Look, this is exactly why you're doing this. And I'm like, ah. 
someone like make a stop and then i'm also laughing because i couldn't tell you why i'm crying either i'm like so, i'm like i don't even know i don't even know why i'm crying and that was the first time i realized oh i've been backpacking um that jar that i was just kind of dumping everything into it probably hit the max and the next day wasn't the day i resolved all those problems but it was the day after I realized that I couldn't keep going on life without, I became fearful of that coming back again and jumping out at a, another moment in my life in which I felt like, oh my God, like what if a moment like this happens or I'm having an emotional breakdown in a place where I don't want to be vulnerable, but I can't control that. That being the first initial, like motivation, again, wanting to stay in the dark. <laughs> wanting to solve this problem on my own in my in my without other people finding out i recall at this time even i'd go to er's <laughs> solo dolo but little did i know it is not the place to go solo dolo emergency <laughs> emergency rooms are not the place to show up by yourself if you are blessed and privileged to have somebody in your life that can show up for you in that capacity please use that you can utilize that and we'll get into that I'll get into that a lot later. But in this part of my story, I'm fig I'm trying to problem solve this because I knew it's time to fix this. It's time to fix this. This is the actual problem. And I and 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 that's when it's like that si that 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 do not disturb mode and uh dismissal button stopped working for my body. And so it's like I had to, I couldn't, I looked more apparently sick, you know. I mean, I'm wearing shades inside class. Um, I'm pacing in the back of the classroom. Like, also, I'm in visible pain. And so I was like, oh, I don't like this. And I don't like that. I'm concerning the people around me. I need to fix this. And this time, I'm like, what? This is what I tell you guys. I never had to worry about health insurance. But the year things came crashing, that's the first year I was off my, I did not have health insurance. And so I had to figure out what is a health insurance? What do you mean this ER visit cost me $10,000? Um, I can't even begin to comprehend the financial part associated with medical concerns. I just remembered one time calling my mom and being like, I don't have health insurance, but I'm having this symptom. Should I just go in? My mom said, if you're alive, you can pay it. So go. <laughs> she said, go either that or you like, you risk like later on, you know, getting like ex losing your life over something that just because of finances, you could have, you know, so just like basically I'd get your debt, but you, at least you also will get health and you're, at least you'll have your life even if it takes a long time to pay it off. But then I began trying to understand that insurance system. And when I tell you, I I literally have a two-hour video of me because here's my thing. My attention span is probably, like, negative. <laughs> Definitely in the negatives. This website is complicated as heck. I'm like, let me get some navigator help. And now, where I'm at now, I could tell you exactly where you need to go, how to do it, da-da-da-da, fix everything. But, but at that time, I did not have any knowledge of 
what the whole health insurance system was to begin with. Like, I didn't understand, like, okay, all I understood is state insurance and insurance through your parents. And I'm not on my parents' insurance right now, so I need to get insurance through the state. And this website, confusing. And here's my attention span. Like, let me guide you with my mind. Opens the website. Everything looks new. Hmm, blogging user, sign up. Type, 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 type. I get another page of a bunch of information. Hmm, skim read. I don't understand any of it. Oh, YouTube.com. I'm on the next page. <laughs> I forget that I'm already trying to solve this. Or anything else interrupts and I'm gone with whatever task, other task interrupts my, that main task. And it didn't help that after my first submission, I get, there's issues with the application. And I find out they didn't process it after the deadline, after the mature deadline. And I'm like, why? Okay, I can't go in. The application is locked. They're like, call the assistance line. I'm on this assistance line for two damn hours on hold. <laughs> I have, I tried to record myself. I have a video recording of me on my computer. And at this point, I'm on this call on this hold. Like I called an assistant person to help me resolve the issue. And we were on the hold for two hours on this, uh, on that line. In those two hours, meanwhile, I you see me on that video walking across campus, talking to a friend, doing several other things while I'm waiting. And then at some point, I just ended up like, like it didn't end up going through. Like it, the call dropped. And so the guy told me <laughs> that we'd have to try it again tomorrow. <laughs> I never called him back. And so um, it wasn't until the year after that that I resolved uh, the health insurance issue. So I basically was like, in that time, I was still getting receiving care. Um, and it felt like I was putting out multiple fires. So there was a time I was struggling with all the symptoms, like my I was nausea, nausea, vomiting, uh, migraines. Um, I was just like weakness. And then it was like, I started having a new symptom. And that's usually when, sometimes I'll try to thug it out. Because I was like, I was tired of getting basically sent back out. And it's like, go to your supposed primary doctor. I don't have a primary doctor. I'm like, that means just come back when it gets worse. Um, and it's already bad. Um, they tell me go see a specialist that they didn't write a referral for the specialist for. Because they expect my primary to write the referral that I don't have. But it was like, I remember the new symptom like I experienced. It was like sharp chest pain. Like felt like a needle was in my chest. And I was experiencing like weakness on my entire left side. And I was like, yo, this is some weird shit. This is, this is concerning. The, the chest pain was not going away. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to do something about this. But then I was like, oh, I don't got ER money. <laughs> Mind you, because everything's being charged straight to my wallet. The wallet that I don't have. <laughs> the wallet of the that I'm futuristically making if I'm alive to make it. But it's being charged to me with my first and last name on it. So then I was like, Ugh. um, 
I was hesitant, and that's when I kind of asked my mom a little bit without her finding out that it's super serious. But then she's like, you should go get it checked out anyway. It's better you're alive and paying bills than actually letting something serious go unnoticed. I go, I drive myself to urgent care first because ain't nobody got that ER money. I said, let me try urgent care first. I go to urgent care. The lady does an assessment and she notices that. And a lot of the symptoms are congruent with, they call it, is it stroke? I don't know. But whatever serious health thing that it could potentially be, it was online because I was having entire left body weakness. I, I'm having a full migraine episode. Um, I'm, I told her I did not eat. I did not sleep. And so she's like, hmm. She's like, listen, we're going to call the ambulance and they're going to take you to the emergency room. In my head, I'm like, emergency room? <laughs> An ambulance money? An emergency room money? <laughs> and I remember... I, and she was like, yeah, this is serious. You need to go to the emergency room right away. We're going to call the ambulance. And I'm like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Let me call my friend. In quotations. She, <laughs> let me call my friend. And she's going to take me to the emergency room because it's a 10-minute drive from the urgent care. And she's like, she got a packet for me. And she's like, just give this to the triage nurse. We already called them. Uh, Just go. Uh, And I was like, and when I tell you actor mode, I was like, oh, yes, my friend is one minute away. Yeah, my friend. Yeah, she's outside. I had no friend outside. It was me, me and my keys. And I, said, <laughs> I was reading, I was reading my prayers. I said, I'm that friend that's outside. It's going to drive me to that ER. And it was a pro it was not a safe way. It was not safe for me to drive. However, it was like my only option at that moment. And I literally hop in the vehicle and I'm like, hmm, okay, okay. I'm crying, but I'm driving with my, it was since it was my left side, I'm right-handed. It was like I could drive with my right hand. <laughs> I drove all the way to the emergency room crying and I parked that car and I came in. Okay, so my doc that I already, at that point, the urgent care front desk, I already told her what I was experiencing. The nurse that came in at the urgent care, I had to report to her what I was experiencing. And then the doctor that came in, I had to report to her what I, I'd say, what I was experiencing. And then she has a written thing that she handed me of all everything and the assessments she's done. So I have a written report of what I've been uh, experiencing. I take this to the triage lady and she takes this packet and still asks me, so what brings you in? I almost wanted to faint. What brings you in? And then I just was like, I kept pointing at to, to the packet and I was like, started describing those symptoms again, but I'm kind of like trying holding myself together trying to not say it while crying and then I go inside I get admitted in and then the nurse that comes you won't believe what she asked me so what are you what, what's going on uh, how are you doing <laughs> when I tell you I was at a loss for words because at this point I felt like I recited the symptoms that I've been experiencing while experiencing those symptoms. <laughs> and I was about to dissolve.
from how exhausted I was. And I remember I was like, I, the, the, I told her, the nurse, again, so I'm reciting A to Z. I'm reciting where I've been to where <laughs> to where this day started, to where I am then, to what I told the nurse, to what the packet that the, the triage nurse got in the front. And then, and then, she's like, the, she turns off the lights for me and everything. And by this point, you know, you know, you're in enough pain, like, you can't sit still. Like, you really, like, I was, I felt like I was in labor and I wasn't in labor. And I'm like, I'm crying. And the doctor comes in, finally. And he hits me with that bullet question. What brings you in today? How are you feeling? And my response was just wailing. <laughs> I could not ask, I could not open my mouth to answer anymore because I was in literally beyond like I've hit the maximum capacity of thought processing. Like I was finished. I was finished. And then and he's like, it sounds like you're in a lot of pain. And then he starts reading through the finally what, what was written. And, and I couldn't, I didn't have words for him. And then he starts telling me, checking, and then he starts um, the whole procedure of, like, and alhamdulillah, he was a good doctor. And so he was able to uh, actually, like, deliver the care needed and, like, actually uh, give fluids, get, like, actual nutrients back in my body, actually, like, give my medication for my migraine, um, and actually, like de-escalate my symptoms enough for me to have a conversation and actually talk about the other things going on alhamdulillah there was an alleviation there because that was the first doctor actually took the time to have a conversation with me about everything like how long i've been experiencing it and i was i didn't know i was out here i was uh, in my bare minimum mindset so based off of the other providers I dealt with, this was like, dang, you're doing way more than you're more like more than you're expected to do. You're going out of your way to have a conversation <laughs> with me about my health and how long I've been going through this. And if I received support and I'm like, wow, this doctor is here, first of all, in this room for way too long Then I, I, uh, I was used to experiencing and. I remember him asking me, he was the first one to ask me if I had a primary rather than assume I have a primary care doctor. And I told him, no, I do not. And kind of was able to tell him, he was like, I've been, I don't, I, I'm kind of individually managing my health right now. I don't really have health insurance. And so if you send me to a primary, like, I don't know if I'm going to pay for that fee. And so he wrote me a referral for a neurologist and like a primary care person that I could potentially try out. I left there shooketh. I said, what? And on top of that, I was told like, <laughs> I was told you can't drive back home. So you need somebody to pick you up. <laughs> and I was like, dang. And I was like, yeah, I definitely can't be my friend that's picking me up to go home right now. Alhamdulillah, I was able to call a friend and I was able to get home. But 
that was like the first very exhausting and draining redundant like sick like I don't know how to describe like that experience first of all it took me to hit the maximum level of dealing with my health and not being able to self-solve the issue to bringing it to to be able to communicate what's going on to continuously communicate what's going on and um like for me to also have a provider that's listening and even though he was informal because of the provider he referred to me I was able to then meet some another quality provider and she was transformative of my health in my health journey because she's the one that when I first came in mind you that experience made me memorize all the symptoms I've been going through like a freaking like drill sergeant like is asking me recite your symptoms <laughs> I'd recite them from A to Z and so um by the time I was seeing her and it was like she was the first one she also was like sounds like there's a lot going on let's run some tests and get a picture a more accurate picture of what's going on let's check the first things first and we're gonna deal with things as we identify them and she's still my primary care provider of currently seven years and so there's this um odd like a whole different demeanor in which when we when I interacted with her it was this actually like compassion and care uh, and I when I tell you I was so foreign to that that I'm like what's going on this is weird almost like an allergic reaction to your doctor taking time to not just send you right back out the door or dealing with one symptom at a time and that 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 communication to that right provider was like start it helped me begin accessing treatments and services that actually transformed my health what I learned in that journey And what I, you know, benefited a lot from was really like it took the duration that it took for me to open my mouth. (laughs) Or I should say, but the from the first time I experienced that symptom in my body to the time that I was able to communicate it to out to somebody, to the right provider that was listening, that was 23 years of my a good chunk of my life and I I realized that a good chunk of that was silently bearing with the pain of living and with the pain of health ailment and sickness and refusing to acknowledge that and I was suffocating and dying in that silence until my body fought me first (laughs) fought me first to be noticed and like it forced me to to have words to name the pain to name the discomfort to have language for it and then to say it until it was addressed like my body's alarm system only got louder and louder and louder until it got what it needed and the world we live in is silently kills all of us in that silence. 
by teaching us, by not teaching us to open up, by by the world not inviting our ease and healing and calling for us to take care of our health, we kind of taken on this oppression internally. We see we live in a world that care does not value our life, and then we became the ones who don't value our life. We became the ones that don't listen to our body and our like our body's little cry. We're like, shh, no. Mm, y'all hear something? I didn't hear nothing. And that becoming in like it, it's hurts worse for you to be the one self-neglecting than someone else to neglect lect you because the person outside doesn't know what your body needs but you knowing what your body needs or hearing your body's cry silencing yourself is a bigger inner pain that is that is created and maintained almost for the years that we live in our life and the healing starts with really looking within first of all listening to our bodies and acknowledging the inner pain we've been afflicting through as we've lived, as we were only taught to afflict pain to ourselves versus heal ourselves. Before we'd have a conversation of how to heal, I think it starts with acknowledging the harm done and then really like holding our bodies and saying, what, like, how do you feel? Where does it hurt? And literally being tapping like physical compassion and being like it's okay I'll do something I'll figure it out tell me where it hurts okay and for me it was drawing drawing out where in my body it hurts because they made me do 75 different forms at every image screening they'd be like what are you, where are you experiencing the symptoms? And they have this little drawing of somebody and they want you to highlight and shade where it hurts. And for me, I literally, I, that one, when you see the power of speaking up and gaining your voice internally first, and when you listen to yourself, you almost have a different force coming into a conversation with somebody that's asking you about what's going on. You actually know what's going on. And you're telling somebody, hey, this is what's happening inside my body, almost as an advocate for your body. What's going to figure it out? Because these professionals, they have a lot of information about what happens in the human body in general. But they they can't figure out what's going on with inside within your body if you're if you don't even communicate. This is where it's where this is what I'm feeling and feeling valid in being able to report what's going on in your body, in your own words. And then the work of changing that system to actually not have a choice but to listen. And that's where, for me, uh, the M Diary and like the passion project of mine with this app that I want to build and this community that I want to build is that we live in a society where it's not an option to not listen to patients. It's not an option. It's not an option to selectively hear and treat what's convenient and what's readily fixable and not look at the whole person that's coming into that visit. It's not an option to do the bare minimum. 
the the bare minimum is going to be more than dismissal and neglect and um neglecting and not giving basic care to black women it's going to be not hearing the statistics of women are dying women are dying when there's a system that is perpetually killing them and you create an ecosystem from the individual to the community to the healthcare system that all operate in shut down, silence, neglect, question, dismiss. At some point, it is a genocide of that is perpetuated on a multi-level in which it is the norm for women and women of color to die. And that is the narrative that even I I won't if I can change one one percentage if that ratio could be a slight bit smaller if that if it if it's instead of black women are dying three to four times if it's two times even if if I can reduce that mortality rate and the disparity rate by even a point mil percent I want to contribute to that and I know that health literacy and advocacy for myself has been transformative and I want to share what has worked with me with the community and also create even more innovative solutions and create a community that is fighting for ourselves and where we're not feeling like we're in this fight alone and I I really I really thank God for everything in that journey of mine and I feel like this is how my journey of in 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 my journey also continues because my health journey is not over it's a lifelong one and if you've never dealt with any health symptoms men never thought about an er never thought about urgent care and you've lived a full privilege of a healthy life you also need this knowledge too that it's you're being duped a little bit if you think i don't have to know this information because i've never been sick i'm healthy but it's that any individual is like has a level of susceptibility and risk of experiencing a health illness at some point in their life and it's it's better to know all this information and to feel equipped to handle these situations for yourself before you experience a health illness because when you're in it you're also experiencing that as well as navigating the system and it's easier to do so when you don't have one thing on your burden. And also, prevention is a way of staying, like, reducing your risk. And so I want to create a community where healthy women and we're advocating for ourselves and creating a community and bonding and changing the system one conversation at a time. Dear... Fear is a little uptight, let me say. Tohara Lula. You worked hard. And God seeing you is enough to feel seen. God hearing you is enough to feel heard. God loving you 
is enough for being loved. God protecting you is enough protection. God supporting you is enough support. God healing you is enough healing. You have an abundance in where your source of love, energy, compassion, mercy, time you remembered and it's okay to forget because God said remember this episode was brought to you by beautiful light studios Muna productions on behind the mic not behind the mic she's behind the scenes running the scenes recording the shots producer Mona Productions and shout out to Layla assistant producer year and all you listeners shout out to you guys for making it to the end of this thing and yeah tune in to the next episode of M Diary <laughs>